You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. We launched our newsletter. Some of you may have already seen the first couple of emails that went out. I'm super proud of this newsletter. I really wanted to give you actionable advice, targeted advice for getting unstuck in really any facet of your life. Also, you keeping up to date with deals, new products, new events, etc. Below, you can opt in. These will not be like any other emails that you receive. They're actually really fun to read. So definitely check it out and let me know what you want to hear in our next newsletter. If you'd like to receive our newsletter, there'll be a link to opt in in the show notes. Now on to the episode. Hello again, Beth. It's great to see you. It's great to see you too. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be a guest on your podcast. (laughs) Yes. And for those of you who have or have not heard, I was on Beth's podcast, Type A Podcast, uh, where we talked about mastering your finances. If you are someone that is Type A, love the world of LinkedIn. I randomly was having some time on my hand in July and I wanted to open up my calendar just to meet whomever, whoever in my network. And uh, Beth, you set up some time and we got to know each other. You also referred some awesome people. Evan, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, was someone that Beth referred over. Beth, I genuinely just love your energy. And I've said it a couple of times on the podcast, but there are guests that I meet that I feel like I've known for a while and you are one of those people. But also, I just feel like our paths are so similar and I'm just really excited for today's conversation. So, Just let us know a little bit about who you are for the folks that are unfamiliar, and we'll dive on in. Thank you so much for having me. And I definitely feel like we've known each other for a while, even though it, you know, in real time, what actually is time, but it's been like a month. Um, (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) But for those who have not listened to the podcast, I'm Beth Lawrence. I'm an award-winning meeting and event planner. I'm a solopreneur specializing in mostly corporate and some nonprofit meetings and events. I also have a podcast called the Type A Plus Podcast. I am a very type A person. So we talk about the benefits and drawbacks of being type A, including being a perfectionist, being anxious, and sometimes avoiding your relationship with money. So I'm very glad that I had you on the podcast to talk about that. Amazing. Something that really resonated with me in our first conversation was just the journey you shared from kind of venturing out and starting your own event planning business. You were someone that sounded like a Swiss army knife of sorts, but you knew what you were good at. But like myself, like you could pretty much put us anywhere and we'll figure it out. Hence the perfectionism type A part. So talk us through the early thoughts of like, I want my own business. And then we'll kind of dive into to some of the soft skills or just interpersonal things that I know get in the way of that. Yeah, for sure. 
It's funny. I've kind of always been an entrepreneurial person. Even when I worked full-time for organizations, I very much approach everything as if it was my own business. So entrepreneurship kind of came naturally to me. So I started out in event planning actually in a terrible time for event planners. It was in 2009, which is right after the market crash. A number of budgets got slashed, entire departments were laid off. And so I kind of had to stay afloat any way that I could after graduation. I had, I think, four part-time jobs at one point after I graduated from college. And then after taking a few short-term contract roles, I landed an event sales job, which I didn't even know was a thing. I worked for Dave & Buster's for my first event planning sort of role. And I never thought of myself as a salesperson, but I loved sales because I love people. And so I would network every single day. Networking was part of my job, but I found networking events to attend every day. And I would attend networking events in Center City area because that's where I wanted to pursue event planning. I knew there was a lot more contacts there. And I was very fortunate that my network really introduced me to all of the right people. They helped me get roles when I didn't know where to turn. And... I wound up having a really well-rounded view of events. I started out in the hospitality world when I was 15 years old, as a lot of people do, working in restaurants and high-end serving roles. And then I wound up going from Dave & Buster's, where I was the highest grossing salesperson for my location in five years, to working for some of the big name brands in Philadelphia in terms of big name catering companies and museums and experiential venues. And then I worked for a restaurant called The Palm Restaurant for three years. I started networking group while I was there, really worked on my personal brand. And from there, I wanted to get out of restaurants. I really was looking for a complete change. I actually had confirmed a new role with a software company named Oracle. And I had a recruiter reach out to me on LinkedIn And they said, we're opening this health food concept in Philly and we need someone to help launch the market. And I'm telling you, Khalil, like I I had one 10 minute conversation with them and I had four pages of notes of information and things that I was interested in doing for them. And so I said, no matter what, I don't have any guarantee of having this job, but I'm going to pursue this. And if it wasn't for that, taking the leap of I'm going to go for this startup job, I have no guarantees here. But I went for it and I said yes to everything I was afraid of for those two years. I launched the market in Philly very successfully. We launched nine stores, an app, and I did 250 experiential events in the two years that I was there. And so after wow. a layoff... That's a lot of events. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I loved... That was my favorite part. I love marketing, but the events were my favorite part. And so I was actually able to go to a conference when I was with that company and I got to hear some of the biggest names and events talk, including the event planner for Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's company, and a few really amazing agencies. And I remember writing in a notebook, I wrote it and I circled it. My name is Beth Lawrence and I own my own events and experiential company. Well, don't you know that three weeks later to the day, I was laid off from that company. And my husband sort of said, hey, you said that you wanted to start your own business. Why don't you do it? And so shout out to hubby for calling you out. Heck Love yes, that. yes. Shout out to the mirrors <laughs> that you need when you don't know that you need yes. them. And so I started my business from there and that was in late 2017. And through the pandemic and all of it, I'm still here somehow. <laughs> you started to touch on it. And I appreciate you sharing that because it sounds so smooth and linear when we say the story, but there's so much ebb and flow within that that really 
a lot of the time goes unspoken. You kind of just keep going. How did you balance today with where you want to be? That's something that I see a lot where I know I want this, but right now I'm not that. And what I see is most who feel that way, there's resentment, there's anger, there's anxiousness. And I would be remiss to say if I didn't fall in that category for a good amount of time as when I was younger. But what I started to learn was like, that didn't serve me. And I actually attracted a lot of what I didn't want by being that way. So how did you balance where you were versus where you wanted to go? Would you say that part of it was vision? Would you say that part of that was just taking the risk and seeing what happened, being open-minded? Like, tell us a little bit about where you were in those moments. Oh, man. Well, there's definitely some moments. Thank you for just honing in on that. I mean, we always kind of skip over the hard parts and kind of get to where we are. But there were definitely moments in there that were really difficult. I think right when I got laid off, I'd never been laid off before. I didn't know what to do. I literally felt paralyzed. But then I said to myself, I'm going to give myself two days to cry and just feel all the feelings. And then I'm going to do one step toward that future. What I could see in my head was where I am now, having the revenue that I have now, working with the clients that I work with now, but that is not where I was. But I knew that the way that I could get there was really using my network. And that's something that I've always been an advocate of. I think at first, it was really easy for me to be methodical because I really wanted it to be perfect. I wanted to have the perfect website before I launched. I wanted to have the perfect logo before I launched. And then I realized that I need to make money and people need to know what I'm doing. So I just kind of put things out there. And I think by continuously challenging myself to do that, including with the podcast that I launched, that is the way that I can like take the small steps, really overcome the little fears toward that big fear. But I also sometimes get really frustrated if, you know, I see another event planner in the Caribbean planning an event and I've never been there or something like I get to where it's like, well, I wish I was there, but then I have to see where I am and I have to look around and realize that everything that I have, I've made happen and I started from somewhere. So every day I just remind myself that this is the day that you could be starting from somewhere. Yeah, that was where I noticed so many similarities in our story. Just it made me smile when you were like, I gave myself this time frame to be upset and then I moved on. And I did the almost the exact same thing to a T. And now that I look back, that was my type A overriding my ADHD, where I would have probably hyper-focused on the layoff as opposed to the opportunity. And so I really wanted to highlight that as like a benefit of being type A sometimes is, <laughs> and I say this with grace, like our delusion and thinking we control things sometimes actually pays <laughs> off. Yes. And I think that's something that I really wanted to to highlight. Also, something you mentioned, two other things, the perfectionist piece, something that I've always learned and didn't really realize I did and until someone on my team called it out. They're like, I love how like when we first started, I had the same mindset. Like I need to have the perfect website, you need to have the perfect products, you need to have perfect marketing messaging. And I quickly got to a place just from pure burnout and just pure like, I literally can't do this, that... I would do things at like 70%. Like, okay, website's good enough. Like, website's a journey, not a destination. So I'm going to know that I'm going to refine this. But I started to step into done is better than perfect. And it's something that we hear all the time, but putting it into practice is easier said than done. So I really wanted to highlight that. And the last thing is your network. I think that is something that 
triggers a lot of people when we talk about it. Because, for example, I even bring my own mom into this. She'll be like, I listen to an episode and like you guys bring up networks and like I'm older and I don't have a network. So like I always feel like I don't have that lever to pull. And so I wanted to hang out on that because I think one, like you mentioned, seeing that person in the Caribbean, like you had to have a network that's doing things and aligning with where you want to be to show you that you're maybe not where you want to be yet. How does someone approach this space who maybe doesn't have a big network or is limited in their network? Like, have you found things to help not only like grow your network, which is one part, but better engage your network is kind of the second part. Yeah. So for me, coming from where I came from, I came from a very, very small town. I came from a college that didn't have an event planning major. So for me, networking is every single person I met. When I said that I I met with people in my network for two weeks, I have like, I think... I think it was five that I, um, there's many, many different types of networks. There's people that you volunteer with. So I had folks that I, I have causes that are really dear to my heart and I didn't have a lot of money to donate to those causes. So I thought I'm going to find a place on the human rights campaign gala committee in Philadelphia, and I'm going to volunteer. Not only did I get to meet people and be in the trenches with people, but they got to see my skill set in a very non-threatening way. But they also saw it in something that I'm extremely passionate about. So you do your best work when you're volunteering with people. I think volunteering, people don't think of that as your network. Family, friends, those are people in your network, people that you've worked with, people that you've worked for, people that have worked for you. It's intimidating to hear the word network and feel like someone has, you know, it's the old like vision of the Rolodex. Or if you see someone with on LinkedIn with 20,000 followers, what you have to think about is making yourself visible as a human outside of what you do at work. A lot of people don't think of networking that way. They think of networking as, hey, Khalil, nice to meet you. I'm an event planner. Oh, you don't use event planning? Okay, very nice to meet you. And we turn around the other way. Networking is also about what can I do for you with no ask in return? And so I think that's also something when you're thinking about building your network, think about what you can do for other people, whether it's a recommendation, a connection. Networking takes a lot of different forms. You just have to find your people and plug them in where they deserve to be plugged in. And then hopefully they'll do the same for you. I think that's a wonderful point from a human aspect. I coach mentees and just obviously, you know, people come to me in this space and ask for advice. And when we talk about networking, it's exactly how you prescribed it. I think people overthink it instead of starting with their immediate. Like you, I was laid off very unexpectedly and also had and been working on a side hustles. And all of a sudden, like there was this opportunity where I could do these things. And instead of overthinking, I, I always tell the story, like I called Tori Dunlap and I called Thomas Drew. Like those were my first two phone calls that I made and both became clients. And it was this moment where it was like, wow, networking is only as good as your questions and also only as good as, I guess we can call it like your human, right? Like your ability, like you said, to show people more than yourself outside of work. Soft skills is something I mention a lot. And I think it's an area that people really forget. And so some of these calls where people are like, hey, how do I network? Because I want a job. Like, I just don't want to waste this person's time. What's really interesting is, one, people love talking about themselves. So creating an environment to your point where there is no ask really past, like, tell me about your experience. I'm trying to take notes and learn based off the things you've done. 
And then going over to the questions that you ask. I think one of my favorite questions that people forget to ask is, is there anyone else in your network that you think would have even more value or as much value as you provided today? And that is a really fast way to grow because people, one, feel like they have something for you and have a service for you. But two, it signals to that person, if you ask that question in the right way, that you're one, looking for work, and two, asking good questions. I love the service element that you talked about as well. Podcasts for me is how I network now. It's a way that I can connect with people and show them not only the business, but the personal side too. So I just want to like really hone in on that message that you gave because it's one that I think we forget about that when we do network, that's a human on the other side. So understanding their experiences. My favorite is understanding their pain points and how I can address them just through my answer. So uh, I really wanted to highlight that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think hospitality, I grew up in the hospitality industry, right? So meeting people comes naturally to me. Being excited to talk to people comes naturally to me because I was a host. I was a bartender. I was a server. I was a manager. I was the one creating your experience and making sure that you have a great experience. And that's still what I am to this day, just on a much larger scale. And I want to highlight just even one person in my network. Anyone from Philadelphia in the hospitality industry listening, you will know who Jim Kahn is. He is an incredible human being. He is one of the first, he's a founder of Mid-Atlantic Events Magazine. So he literally knows everyone in the Mid-Atlantic when it comes to events, planners, venues, everyone. I was lucky enough to meet him when I was 22, 23 years old, right out of school at that job at Dave & Buster's in the suburbs, wanting to be in the city, wanting to network and make those connections. I walked up to him and he just asked me a few questions and he said, well, what do you do? And I told him in a salesy way, right? And he's like, okay, well, what do, what do you really do? What do you like to do? What do you want to do? Upon listening to me, was like, oh, so you want to be an event planner? You know, I always say he took my hand, but he took me around this networking event and said, hey, this is Beth. Have you met Beth yet? She wants to be an event planner. She works right now at Dave & Buster's in, you know, this area of the city and she can host groups of up to this many people. So he did two things for me at once. He told them about my current job, which is the way that I was making money. And he told them about what I wanted to do. And I couldn't give him anything in return, nothing. I mean, I worked for a venue where technically we could buy an ad or something like that, but there really wasn't any transactional gain for him. Fast forward, you know, after I I had those experiences, there was a, a time where I was at a role that I absolutely could not stand. And when I tell you, I would wake up every morning and go, what excuse could I give to why I couldn't go to work? And Ugh. that is not me at all. I could email Jim and say, hey, Jim, I am drowning here. This is not a good fit for me. Can you help me? Do you know anyone who's hiring? And he got me a job at Brulee Catering, which was the definitive job that taught me so much of what I know from the event planning perspective. In return, when I finally was an event planner, some of my clients, I was able to connect with him and vice versa. I was able to connect you know, sponsors to him. So it's a long sell. I mean, I've known him now 15 years almost, and we've done various things for one another throughout our relationship. We go sometimes years without seeing each other, but it's that constant knowing, to your point, where that person is right now, where they want to be, and really how you can help them. Lead with that when you're trying to open up your network. No, it's so true. And I love the salesy way you threw in there. I had actually ended up pitching and landing Tori at my wedding. Um, And one of the things I remember her saying was like, you're like the best salesperson I've ever met. And she was like, it's because you're... You're just so empathetic in your ability to be able to 
diagnose the real root cause because everyone looks at business problems. But again, to your really great point, it all comes down to the human and how that person feels within their business. And a lot of the times I see people's businesses running them as opposed to them running the business. And so I would say that was a huge kind of selling point. I've been watching the show called The Bear and I'm obsessed with it. I love The Bear. And if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it. And one of the lines that I love, and it just shows kind of you and Jim's mentality when one of the characters, Richie, is sent to work at a really high-end restaurant, uh, he's kind of an asshole about it. And the trainer kind of pulls him aside and he's like, you know, one of the big reasons I do this, when you think about hospitality, the word root word hospital is in it. It's like nourishing people and bringing them back to life. And I think that goes hand in hand with the example you just gave. Like Jim understood where you were and he knew that this would give you some life and knew that also you would pay it forward. And I just absolutely love that example because I can't tell you how many full circle moments I've had like that. So I say that all to say that networking has a really beautiful effect past just this scary thing of like, is this person going to give me money? Yes. Um, because I think that's what people associate, but it's really what connection can I make with this person to help each other is really the root. But at the end of the day, it's just pure connection. Yes. Oh my gosh. The Bear is one of my favorite shows. It's funny because it is so true to life in some instances that it's it gives you the same level of like adrenaline watching it as it does being in the kitchen on in a busy restaurant on a Saturday night. And one of the things we you and I talked about was just the non-traditional path as millennials. God, I hate the word millennials, but as people <laughs> in this generation who graduated or entered the workforce after the market crash of 2008, our parents and the, you know, our parents' parents for all intents and purposes, it was you get a job at a company, they give you a 3% raise every year, you get promotions, you know, every so often, and you retire. And that legitimately was not an option for me. And the ways that we had to be scrappy in order to get what we want, I think really naturally lends itself to being entrepreneurs and also if it wasn't for the network, like we didn't have a ladder, right? We had like a rock climbing wall where we're like, I don't, I can't even see all the ways <laughs> yeah. that this could go, but yeah. like, I just need to grab the next most sturdy thing. And I feel like that's what my network has allowed me to do is also figure out what's sturdy, right? Like, okay, if I'm going for this client or if I'm going for this opportunity, like, is this right for me? They can really be advocates for you in that pursuit of, your dreams because it isn't linear anymore. It's literally, you just have to design your own path. It's so true. And it's a great segue to kind of the next point, which is defining success today and also leaving room to redefine success later once you've kind of come through it. I think that the biggest lesson I've learned is a little year ago, as I was envisioning this, success continues to look more and more different and evolve over time. And I think that's an area where people get really stuck is they kind of take the same approach to like what we were talking about via like a website or just having the ledger and that like success only looks like this for me. Success looks like paying off all my debt. Success looks like having X amount in your account. Success looks like having this business. And working and, and being around really successful people and being a successful person, one thing that I have noticed is really the joy that we all seek is outside of that success. And I think we get into trouble when we purely think and put off joy for this future of success. So I want you to talk about success as maybe you saw it as a younger version of yourself and now as it is today. And just to preface, I understand how loaded that is because 
I personally look at success as how am I feeling most days? Do I feel joyous? Do I feel seen? Like there's a list of things that I look at. Success is more in how I feel than what I have. And I'm really curious to see how you've evolved your definition of success. Wow, that is definitely a loaded question. As um, as someone who <laughs> went to Catholic school, I've had a five-year plan my whole life. I used to view success in very different ways, especially when I was starting my business. Well, first, when I entered the workforce, success was getting into a company, stock options, whatever. That And then that was out the window. I'm going to be the CEO one day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like looking up the average salary when, of a, a role when you're in college and you're like, that's what oh I'll make right out, right out of the gate. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be on the high end of that. Yeah, totally. They're, <laughs> they're going to just love me and they're going to pay me more than I could ever ask for. Um, I yeah. think when I first started my business, quite honestly, success was like external. If I look back now, I'm like, People thought I was successful because I curated my social media to look like I was successful because to others and to like the greater, I guess, people in my network or in my world, like success looked like traveling a lot. It looked like, you know, I got my dream car the year after I started my business, which was awesome. I got to travel to many, many different places. But if you looked at the markers of success that really add positivity to your life in terms of like having enough money to pay your bills and then some or being in a space where you are so aligned with yourself that you're comfortable saying no to business. That to me is much more successful now because I was in a place where I was saying yes to absolutely everything. I was like, oh, you don't have a budget? We'll make it work. You want to do sales and event marketing? Bring it on. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't happy to your point day to day. I just kept placing these feelings on future milestones. Like, oh, I'll be happy when I achieve this financial goal. I'll be happy when I do this. But it actually prevented me kind of going back to our original discussion beginning this episode. Like it prevented me from even being able to take those little steps to find that success because I was almost thinking, well, I should be there by now. I just need to embody it and I'll be there. So long story short, success when I first started really was much more about external things. What do my clothes look like? What car am I driving? Am I still able to be in this great house in this great neighborhood? And now to me, success looks like working with clients who are aligned with me and who I am aligned with, who... My favorite word, Yeah, I mean, and it really... I feel like it's becoming devoid of meeting because we see it all the time on Instagram and things like that. Totally. It's funny because your gut knows when you're not aligned and beginning entrepreneurs are really, really good at being like, no, I'll ignore that gut because there's like money, right? And you need to pay your bills. But I think now I am so calm and balanced within my own skin when I'm working with my clients because I'm not trying too hard. I'm not chasing something that's not right for me. And now I have the levels of success that I wanted, but I'm not it isn't in me to put it on social media. It's not about, I don't even barely post on my Instagram anymore. It's more about doing the work and living the life than showing what the life could look like. That's so many great points were made, especially just highlighting the aligned portion, which I totally agree gets drowned out. That's definitely been some of the bigger lessons. Like, And again, like past me was like getting X amount a month or getting contracts and yeah, you work with these hellish clients and you start to realize like I've built, I've rebuilt corporate in my entrepreneurial life. 
and vice versa. I've watched people, you know, in entrepreneurship go back to corporate toxic situations. And so I think that's super important, how it feels to work with someone as opposed to what that person is giving you. Also, I think when you really start to embody that, to your point, you start to understand when sacrifice is warranted. Because I will say I'm someone that has come into situations where a red flag has gone off, but I've improved how I communicate my boundary in those red flags. And it's actually created a situation that works. Whereas before I was too worried about, you know, being a burden or not being good enough. Whereas like that is not even an association with business that has no impact on my worth. And that's still a spiral staircase. Like there are still times where I had an episode a couple of weeks ago where a guest was like, aren't we recording today? And it turned out they had the wrong day, but I got triggered and I'm like, oh my God, like, what did I mess up? Like, But I had to go back and be like, why am I pointing the finger back at me so hard again? And that, that goes really deep, but I really wanted to call out the aligned piece um, because I think really aligning and sticking true to how we want to feel day to day, most days are not. Again, it's not going to be perfect every day. You're not going to wake up every day and be like, everything feels great and gushy. But you're going to wake up every day and say, this is worth it. And I feel like this is fair. Whereas I think many of us wake up and feel like this situation is so unfair and it's totally warranted. Um, so I really wanted to highlight that piece. The alignment piece is something that is a total work in progress all the time. And I think it also comes from being a people pleaser, being a type A person. A lot of people are people pleasers. And I definitely was a people pleaser. To your point, I never wanted to say no. If someone wanted to negotiate, I would immediately get that like pit in my stomach. And I just had a client recently that just signed and we went back and forth on the contract probably five or six times in the scope of work. And I was able to finally kind of hover above myself and remove the emotions from it. Because that's the tough part about being an entrepreneur too. It's it's not emotional, it's business to your point, but it lives within us and all of it is us. So we have to kind of say, oh, that emotion's there. I feel it, I see it, but we're not gonna act with that right now. And I think that is super hard. And something that advice for any entrepreneurs that are feeling like, I don't know what you mean by alignment. So I had a client once that was not aligned, shall we say, but I didn't know that. I just kept saying, I don't know why they don't, you know, use the form that I asked them to use. Or I don't, I told them to book through this and they didn't book through that. Or I told them that I needed them to do this before this meeting and they didn't do it. Well, A, I didn't set boundaries. I have to look back and make sure that I realize that I didn't set boundaries. And someone said to me, like, I was trying to make excuses for why I didn't want to work with them anymore. And they were like, they don't have to be a bad person. It doesn't have to be a crappy company. It just might mean that it's not right for you. And it's so funny because when we think of like dating, for example, someone's not right for you, they're not right for you, but we don't think of that way in business. It's almost like, what's wrong with me if this person doesn't want to sign with me or isn't doing the things that I asked them to do? But sometimes it's just not a right fit and that's okay. And it's not a negative on either person's part. Absolutely. And I think just to like really define and, and clarify here too, I think and want to recognize that privilege definitely enters the conversation when you're able to pick and choose. So that doesn't mean that when you get started, like you're not going to have difficult clients. You shouldn't endure through difficult clients, but I want you and I want the people listening to have the awareness to get out of those situations when they become too much, especially for my people pleasers out there, especially for my people that drug is help. I always ask people, why do you feel like 
you need to be helpful? Why do you feel like you need to go above and beyond? And there's a part of us almost always that just feels less than and is trying to make up for that as opposed to addressing why we feel less than in that situation. Oh, yes. So I wanted to like table that with that clarification because I recognize that it's privileged to say yes and no to contracts. And I recognize too that help can be a drug as well if we do it too much and don't take care of ourselves. As you start to look forward now, I hate three and five-year plans. I get the question, asked that question at nauseum. And so I've reframed and set my boundary to say I only look a year or two ahead because even that I feel like is too far ahead. As you look forward, what are some of the things you're really, really excited about? And what are some of the things and some of the areas and how we can help support and get you there? It's funny that you said that you don't do five-year plans anymore. After the pandemic, I threw all of my three to five-year <laughs> plans out the window. I was like, what's Also, the I want to clarify, 09 was like millennials pandemic. I know there's a lot of death in the pandemic, but like 09 felt like the world shut down and we had that reality check. So just wanted to clarify, like we, this is our second time. So now we're like, okay, n- these are going to happen every couple of years. Like we can't have a five-year plan. Exactly, so <laughs> exactly. We need to have a five-year plan with like asterisks. Um, but when I look ahead, I'm really excited about, I have clients that are moving moving their locations all around the country. So I get to travel to new locations with them every year again. You know, since the pandemic, it's been mostly a lot of local stuff for me, but I'm kind of opening back up again, which I'm extremely excited about. My dream is to plan the Grammys or some sort of music type event. So, I mean, it would be great if it was in the next year, but that's like my kind of North Star. I also just want to pause you. Shout out to Tiff Knighton, who's super connected, um, used to be Ray J's manager and worked really heavily on that side. So might have a connection for you there. Oh my gosh. If that could happen in the next year, that would be amazing. Say <laughs> <laughs> so speaking it out. There like, we go. Boom, connect. That, that's an out. example right there. It's funny because my the DJ that I use is also a Grammy award-winning producer. So I'm like, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Yes. Um, but love that. I also, with my podcast, you know, I started it really as like, I've, two years behind the scenes being a perfectionist. And I started it just thinking, I just want to get my name out there. And now I'm like, I want thousands of downloads. I want to interview so many more people. I'm excited because it started as just me doing like 10 minute tips every day. And I honestly, if I'm honest with myself, I think that was a little bit of imposter syndrome where I'm like, oh, no one will want to listen to me for a long time. I don't think I'll be able to get people to interview. And the more that I get interviews, the more that I'm excited to interview people because I love meeting people and hearing their stories. So I'm really excited just for events to open up again in general and to expand my network and expand the reach of this podcast. I have no doubt you're going to do it. Stick with it. I totally agree. I sometimes look at my downloads. I'm like, why do these many people want to listen to me? Uh, (laughs) But hey, love this for all of us. Beth, you are great. I really appreciate all the value and your realness and just what this journey is like, both good and bad. All of your links will be below if anyone wants to connect and reach out to Beth. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com. Follow us on TikTok at Unstuck.